0: I'm Savannah, and I'm Alicia, and this is Burden and Proof. I had to think about that because today's Saturday, but it comes out on a Thursday. I know. I think
1: that might be the first time ever that you said Thursday. I think it is. Somebody mark the calendar. Very nice. Welcome everyone. Welcome back. I don't even
0: think we have any business off the top. Business. It's hard to tell because this is so far ahead. I don't think we do have business. I don't think so either um today's episode is a listener recommended episode Mm. and i'm gonna check and see i'm pretty sure it was heather let me check it was heather thank you so much for recommending the sydney sydney loof case that's what we're talking about today thank you heather so we love doing listener recommended stuff tell us if you want us to cover
1: stuff we have quite a list We do have a list, and we have to rotate kind of in and out of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because otherwise, we just get... I don't do well, like, being told what to do.
1: (laughs) That's an IMFJ (laughs) thing. I just mean,
0: like, I'm I'm like this in my hobbies, too, because I'm a reader. If I have to read something, I don't want to read it anywhere. So, like, if I have a list that I'm like, I have to pick something off this list, I'm like, none of this I want to do. So I have to be in the mood for it. And this week, I was in the mood... To do Sydney Loof. So here we are. All right. Like right now, this new book came out and all my friends are reading it. And I'm like, I have to read this so it doesn't get spoiled. And I'm like, I haven't read it in three days. I just yeah. don't want to anymore. I don't want tell to. Tell me how
1: to live my life.
0: Yeah. Who are you to put a <laughs> deadline on me, universe, anti spoiler universe, to say read it or it's going to. No.
1: Yeah. I do what I want. <laughs> I'm a grown woman, except I'm terrified of authority. <laughs> I'm 16. I'm a grandmother. <laughs> I'm
0: a grandmother. That's a shout out to the bloopers at the end of the Lori Houts episode.
1: Uh, no, no, Adam, Adam Sapkowski.
0: Go team. So um, this week, as I mentioned, Sydney Loof, I think I've said her name 90 million times. I'll say it 90 it's million
1: f- more. kind of a cool name. It's a
0: good name. And unfortunately, uh, this is a tragic case. So we Aww. should say her name more. Boo. Sad. Um, You probably know this case. You just don't realize you know
1: it. It's the Tinder
0: murder. I think I have heard mm-hmm. something about that. It was very popular when it happened in 2017. It was well, yeah. national news.
1: And How could it not
0: be? Yeah. It, it's a very popular case. People have discussed it a lot. Okay. Here to bring you my version of events. Okay. I think that this case is more confusing than people think it is. Like They think it's a pretty straightforward case, but then you get into it, and it it can be a little bit... A little bit confusing okay there's a lot of stories and only one truth I'm ready I'm buckled in you better because you're gonna understand why this is such a me episode like three quarters of the way in okay cool okay so November 15th 2017 ironically I wrote this on November 23rd tw- thir- 15th
1: 2023 How crazy is that? Because the case that I'm working on, the next case that I record, also happened on November 15th. Oh, my gosh. Well, but in 2007. Why? November
0: 15th, 2017, in Wilbur, Nebraska, a normal day turned into a small town's worst nightmare. Every small town thinks it won't happen to them that that horrifying crime won't be from their little small, quiet town. No, Never. I know cuz I think this is about Sarasota.
1: Oh, crime happens here. They're just really good at Yeah, exactly. Not We've covered talking it. Talking about it. We've
0: covered two cases from Sarasota. It happens. Yes. But I thought it before cuz I'm not from Sarasota. I'm from a bigger city and so sometimes I'm like, I don't need to go back outside and lock my car. This is Sarasota. No, you absolutely should. Yeah, <laughs> I, I always do. I always do cuz my dad's car got broken into once, so I always do. But anyway, Wilbur, Nebraska was not an exception to the rule. With a population of uh, 1,850 people, it is the official Czech capital of the United States. There's
1: a lot of Czech immigrants there. Interesting.
0: It's right outside of the state capital of Nebraska, which is Lincoln. And so they do have access to all of the fun stuff. Okay. Like a big city. Sydney Loof is from Naly or Nayli, Nebraska. I heard it pronounced both ways. I apologize which is about two hours away from Lincoln. She loved the outdoors. She was a very athletic kid. She loved to be all sorts of outdoors, and she loved to fish. She played basketball, I think. I wrote soccer, and then I was like, oh, no, she didn't play soccer. She played something else. It was golf. She loved to golf. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she loves to golf, and she loved to fish. Um, but however, things got more difficult for her when she developed scoliosis as a teenager, which kind of put a stop to some of the things that she loved so much. She couldn't hike as much. She could fish, though, on the weekends with her brother and her dad. Okay. As an adult, after she graduated high school, she made the choice to move to Lincoln, where she worked at a Menards, which is a hardware store. And she got a cat named Mimsy. Mimsy. She was cute. It is a cute name. She was a lover, always opening her home to people who needed help. And she would do anything she could for anybody. She would give them the shirt off her back if it would help them. She was known to take in strays, like stray people, not stray cats. And, um, you know, I think this is a lot a lot of people's situations. She would help other people, but she was also struggling a lot as well. She struggled with depression and anxiety for a very long time, but she had recently taken some big steps to help with these issues. She'd quit smoking pot, and she had gotten on a new antidepressant, which her mother said were already helping her feel so much better, and that she had been very hopeful about the future for the first
1: time in a long time. Nice. Go, Sydney. That actually helped because prior, when you were just talking about all the nice things she was doing, all that kept going through my head was the meme that talks about how true crime victims are always talked about. Like, they they light up a room and then some of us are like, nothing will ever happen to me because... (laughs) I don't.
0: I darken a room, actually.
1: (laughs) I don't light up a room.
0: The lights flicker when I enter like a demon. (laughs) Somebody call Sam and Dean. Savannah's here. (laughs) That's funny. She was um, a pretty normal 24-year-old, though. I don't think that any of her issues were anything outside of what other people deal Mm -hmm. with. I mean, yes, she had been dealing with depression and anxiety, but... You're in your early 20s. You're figuring life out.
1: Yeah. I just mean, to me, that humanized her oh, a, little, I agree. a little more. Oh, I totally. This yeah. is a separate point.
0: Um, She was on Tinder dating around Lincoln and had a few su- unsuccessful dates. She did. Um, I'm not sure of her exact sexuality, but she did like women. And okay. so that made it more difficult in Nebraska. So that's why she oh, was yeah. on Tinder. She, could, she didn't feel like she could just date around. So... Like I said, she'd been on a few unsuccessful dates, and she finally matched with a girl named Audrey. They went out once on the 14th, and it went super well, and so they set up a second date for the day after. Sydney was really smart about it. She, like, screenshotted it. She sent it to her friends, and as she was getting ready, she takes a selfie on Snapchat and captions it, ready for my date. Okay. She sends it to her mom, who screenshots it, because moms screenshot Snapchats. It's just part of life.
1: (laughs) It's just what us old people do.
0: Or if you're my uncle, you answer the Snapchat via text. So you'll open the Snapchat, you read it, and then you text the person your response. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So um, at 6.54 p.m., her date texts her on Tinder to say, hey, I'm here. Come outside. I'm picking you up. On November 16th, she does not show up for her shift at Menards. This is very out of character for her. Her coworkers and managers all thought very highly of her. And they were worried. So they tried to call her and they got nothing. And so they called her parents. OK. So at that point, it had been basically two days since they had heard from her because she had never answered their text the night before. Yeah. And so they were a little bit concerned. And I don't know how far after she didn't show up for her shift that the Menards called her parents. But eventually it, it had probably been. probably wasn't right away. Way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It had been basically two days since her family had heard from her. And so they drive from Nayli to Lincoln, and they find an empty apartment and a very hungry Mimsy. Now, I don't know about you, but I've known a lot of 20-somethings with animals. That will never happen. (laughs) Most people in their 20s, especially girls with cats, they're very, they love their cats. They're like their children. Exactly.
1: And so they were
0: very concerned that she would never have just gone away without making sure that Mimsy was cared for. Mm Mm-hmm. But other than that, there was no sign of anything strange. Like, the lights were on at the house. Her purse was there. Her medications were there. It looked like she had fully planned on coming right back inside. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So they pretty much immediately file a missing persons case because where is she? If her car is here, like, her car is still up front. Yeah. Her keys, her purse, her everything's inside. Yeah. Not her phone, but, like, her regular stuff is there.
1: But her phone's missing.
0: Her phone's missing, and I believe her wallet was missing. Her ID was gone. So like she had taken some stuff, but she didn't take everything. And she left lights on because she was planning on coming back when it was dark. OK. So they file a missing persons case, and the police begin tracking her last known whereabouts. The same morning that they file a missing persons report in Lincoln, okay, over in Wilbur, there's a home that they basically called authorities because there was a very intense bleach smell in their downstairs basement apartment so the basement apartment was rented out by a bailey boswell and her boyfriend aubrey trail they told their landlords that they were antique dealers and the people above them were also their landlords like they owned the home and then Mm -hmm. the person behind they rented out the basement apartment yeah and the neighbors upstairs were breaking out in hives and throwing up because of how strong the bleach was. So, oh my god. It was very intense and then when they went outside, they noticed that the apartment had the air conditioner on in November in Nebraska. Yeah. Nebraska's cold. Yeah, it is. Like <laughs> I don't we have a lot of like international listeners and inter- listeners in Australia yes. and in the UK.
1: Nebraska is cold. Well, I mean, the UK is cold, but yeah. I know, but they
0: don't know the states. We got a big old
1: country. Okay. okay. <laughs> yes, Nebraska is cold in ne- November.
0: Nebraska has a lot of corn, and it's cold. <laughs> and it's beautiful, but it's yes. cold. Yes. So they thought that was weird, and so they they alerted authorities, but they didn't really, nothing came of it at the moment. Yeah. I will say one thing about this case is that everything happens in a fairly quickly amount of time. So sometimes it can get a little bit confusing as to what happened when. Gotcha. Um, I think I have pieced it together correctly. Okay. But every source is a little bit different. So it's kind of hard to tell. And there's no like court documents readily available. So. Okay. That was in Wilbur, back in Lincoln, Sydney. Um, is tracked through some CCTV footage leaving her work for the day at the end of the day the night before. So they basically see her leaving Menard's before her date. She worked all day, mm-hmm. she goes home, goes on her date. Now her best friends know that she had been out
1: that night with mm-hmm. this girl, Audrey. And I have a question. Mm-hmm. What were the names of the people that live in the apartment? Bailey and Aubrey. Okay. And Aubrey is a guy. She it's said it's boy. boyfriend. Okay. Interesting.
0: Yeah. So her friends knew she had been out on a date, and they knew what time she was picked up. And they had pictures of what she was wearing last because she had taken that picture. And she also had screenshots of the girl that she was meeting up with, which was Audrey. Okay. Her best friend, Brooklyn McChrystal, said, I'm just going to do this myself. And she did what 20-year-old girls do the best. She stalked. She made a fake Tinder profile using the same settings that she knew Sydney was using, swiped through a bunch of Tinder profiles, and found the Audrey profile. She flirted. They, they matched.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They both matched. She flirted with Audrey and was almost immediately given a phone number. In the meantime, Audrey calls into the police station to give them her side of things. She explains that her and Sydney had gone out on a date on November 14th. And again, the night of November 15th, she calls back on the 18th and police talk with her again. And she explains that the second date on the 15th that she and Sydney had driven around Lincoln in her car, smoked some pot, and that Audrey dropped her off at her friend's house, at Sydney's friend's house. Instead of taking her home, Sydney was like, instead of taking me home, take me to my friend's house. And so she did. She dropped her off and that was it. Okay. And the police were like, uh, okay, um, well, can you come in and talk with us? Because this is, everything happened so fast and we don't know who you are. Yeah. This is a little confusing. And she says, no, I, I can't come into the police station because I have warrants out for my arrest. So I can't come in, but I'm talking to you. This is me cooperating. And they were like, okay, but when <laughs> we Google or like search in our little database, there's no, like you don't giving us a last name. We don't know who you are. Yeah. Not so, to worry though.
1: Not cooperate.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. It it kind of makes sense to me that if somebody had warrants out for their arrest, but they just like if that was really the yeah. case, I kind of would get it. But then they would be able to say, no, this is my first and last
1: name. This is where I was. But my question is okay, so you have warrants out for your arrest, but somebody that you just went on a date with and you are To friends and family, you are the last person to have seen this person, and now this person is missing, possibly dead. Are the warrants for what you're potentially going to get arrested for worse than missing person murder? (laughs) Because if they're not, then go ahead and arrest me for that, and I'll be cooperative so that I don't get arrested for murder. (laughs) I Yeah. So they were
0: definitely annoyed by that situation, but they didn't have to be annoyed for very long because Brooklyn McChrystal hands over the number that Audrey had given her, and this kind of helps all the pieces click into place. Okay. They search the number, and it doesn't belong to an Audrey. It belongs to Bailey Boswell. Oh, Bailey. The next thing they did was start looking at cell phone tower pings for... Sydney's last known location yeah and it pings in the small town of Wilbur Nebraska and it pings really close to where Bailey Boswell lives of course now it wasn't actively pinging there so and it had only pinged there once so she hadn't been there long and they knew that her phone was either off or dead or wasn't working or whatever yeah But if you haven't put two and two together, Bailey lived in that apartment that smelled of bleach and was freezing. Yes. And Bailey did have warrants, and she had some convictions. Fraud convictions, and not small ones. Her and her older boyfriend had been charged with defrauding someone of nearly $400,000 all over counterfeit antiques and counterfeit coins.
1: But you can only live in a basement apartment?
0: Well, you'll, you'll know where their money's going. okay they had over 14 charges and yeah so they were like okay well we're gonna go to Wilbur obviously and kind of see where we're working with here so the police drive on over and when they realize that they're looking for Bailey or when Bailey realizes that they're gonna start you know they're coming for us like obviously like
1: here's the chain of events get to the chopper right her and her boyfriend,
0: <laughs> Aubrey Trail. Aubrey, not Audrey. Yes. This is where I well, guess...
1: initially, I was confused about that. That's why I asked for mm-hmm. clarification on who lived in the apartment. Yes. Again. So, okay.
0: Bailey and Aubrey go on the run. Technically, they're on the run for completely unrelated charges because they haven't even been named as people of interest yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, they are, so but it's like everything happens so fast. You're yourself
1: look really guilty. Yeah.
0: And so... They're on the run previously. Then they're declared people of interest and they decide that they're going to comment. No. Yes. Oh, sweet Jesus. And so they made Facebook videos talking about the fact that they were innocent and that Bailey had just met Sydney and that like they just hang out twice and dropped her off at a friend's house and that was it. There was no foul play. And Aubrey made a post being like, I am a thief and I'm a bad person. I'm a bad guy, but I had nothing to do with this. And like, we're innocent and whatever. All on the road.
1: I'm innocent, but I'm running.
0: Yeah. Well, and like, they're on the run because they had been convicted and they did have warrants out because they were being ordered to pay over $400,000 that they didn't have. So they're running to avoid arrest for that. And then while they were on the run, They'd got declared people of interest.
1: It's very yeah. convoluted.
0: While they're running, let's talk about Bailey
1: and her older boyfriend Aubrey. Let's give a little bit of. And when you say older, what are we talking here? I don't like that face. <laughs> I don't like. Okay, the face. so um, do you see? Do you see? Do you see why I have age difference problems? <laughs> he was basically over
0: double her age she oh, was in her early 20s and he was in his early 50s why I don't know because when you look at him you're going to be you're, oh, you're going to have God. more questions you're going to go I don't know why mm-hmm. young
1: women of the world if you have daddy issues seek counseling <laughs> yes please
0: yes uh, and boy does she so uh, Bailey Marie Boswell was raised in Leon, Iowa, and her biological father was murdered when she was, like, a toddler or an infant. She was very young. Like Sydney, she loved athletics, and she ran track and played basketball and even was up for a basketball college scholarship when she graduated. Um, but unfortunately, she started using drugs, and that kind of all went away. Yes. At this point in her life, Bailey is a mother. She has a daughter from a previous marriage, Um, Freddie, her ex-husband, or I don't know if they were technically divorced, but they were married at some point and they weren't actively together. Okay. He was horribly abusive. He was sexually, physically, and emotionally abusive. He was an addict and his custody of their daughter was taken away as a result. Bailey's mom, Priscilla, would later say that Freddie beat up a pregnant Bailey and kicked her in the face when she was heavily pregnant. Oh, my God. Prosecution would say that Bailey found Aubrey on um, a marketplace called Backpage, which was a sex work website. And allegedly she was looking for a sugar daddy when she met Aubrey. Aubrey Trail had a difficult childhood as well. At the age of two, he was abused by his parents before he was put in the care of his grandfather. And eventually he was placed back with his mother and stepfather who did abuse him. He grew up in poverty, moving from foster home to juvie, and then was in prison as a teenager for armed robbery. When these two met, they brought out the worst in each other.
1: Yeah. I
0: mean, Mm -hmm. history's like that. They started to steal and resell antiques. Basically, he would write fraudulent checks. They would take the antiques, they would resell them, and they would hit the road. And that's, again, how they had frauded people out of so much money and been convicted and blah, blah, blah. They were bad at being on the run. They weren't very good at it. (laughs) Police were able to track them pretty easily using security footage and CCTV footage through different stores and hotels, and they were arrested on November 30th in Branson, Missouri. So
1: they had kind of gone far,
0: but in a very short amount of time before they were caught, they didn't like.
1: Yeah. And by the time they were even named, I mean, it was like, that's only like. A couple days. 15 days from the time that she went missing. I mean,
0: it was really less than that before they were really looking to move and arrest them. Yeah, that's
1: what I mean. Mm
0: -hmm. So they arrested them when they found them in Branson. They arrested them on on fraud charges because they were like, well, we can at least, we know for sure we can hold you on this. Um, And when they found them, they possessed sleeping bags, hiking shoes, maps, and apparently a plan to escape to Mexico. Which just hardly ever works (laughs) Yeah. They were extradited back to Nebraska, and this is when things start to get a little bit more interesting. They use cell phone pings from Bailey's phone, and they track her driving over 200 miles through the county. And on December 5th, the investigators find Sydney's remains. In a ditch beside an isolated dirt road, investigators notice a human arm sticking out of a garbage bag they found more human remains in 13 garbage bags all near the roads that her phone had pinked from. They were able to identify the remains as Sydney's by her tattoos. Oh, my God. However, not all of her remains have been recovered. Her upper left arm was never found. No internal organs were ever found. The only thing they really found with it was a latex glove with some blood and some remains as well. Ugh. An autopsy would reveal that her cause of death was suffocation and she had bruising that indicated she had fought with her attacker. So as soon as they put handcuffs on Aubrey, he immediately confessed. He told the police one of many stories that he will tell. And this is where I think it gets a little bit confusing because he just keeps... He's one of those people who, like, changes the story enough to, like, make a difference, but it's just weirdly similar. So they're all kind of the same but different. It's annoying. You'll see what I'm talking about. I already
1: don't like him.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, you're going to hate him. Just you wait. Oh, God. He told officers that he and Sydney, along with two other women, but not Bailey, two other different women and Sydney, had engaged in some consensual BDSM activities, which the women had paid him $15,000 to film. He said that during that film, He had strangled her with an extension cord solely as an erotic act. I can't say words. (laughs) Solely as an erotic. What is that word? Erotic. Where's the T in that word? (laughs) Erotic act. Got it. Okay. (laughs) But that it had, quote, gotten out of hand and he accidentally killed her. Afterwards, he said he panicked and he dismembered her in order to not get caught. He was adamant from the get-go that Bailey was not involved in her death and only helped him with disposal. Bailey basically agrees, saying that she fell asleep in the living room while Sydney and Aubrey and the two other women were engaged in group sex in the bedroom. She's just sleeping on the couch. I don't believe you. <laughs> the math isn't mathing. First, there were the text messages between Sydney and Bailey. None of them did Bailey mention Aubrey or any man leading Sydney to believe that the date would just be the two of them because it was a date. There's literally no evidence of anybody else being involved but the two of them. Yeah. His story changed once again once he was like fully in police custody, you know, jumpsuit, everything in an interrogation room. This time he told them about a sex cult that he and Bailey were involved in. So a sex cult? Yes. Great. This just gets better and better. Oh, hold on to your butt. He said that he paid Sydney $5,000 to fulfill a sexual fantasy for two other women. Here are the two other women again. It's their fault. Yeah. like I, We were fulfilling their fantasy and that... It was accidental, but she had consented to take part in the sex and she had been paid and they were filming it. So, yeah, he's basically saying, well, I paid her and she consented to be involved to fulfill these other two women's fantasies and she accidentally died through choking in this sex tape, basically. He said that he cut her up, dismembered her and that he had drained her body of blood in line with his religious beliefs through a ritual to release her soul to the gods in a sacred spot and laid her body out to help her reincarnate faster.
1: What? Laid her body out in what? All the garbage bags along the highway? Yeah. What religion is that? Crazy. What's that religion? that like had something to do with spaghetti on your head or like the strainers on your head. Oh, I don't remember, but I know what you're talking about.
0: It's <laughs> like, crazy. Yeah, it's just, it's just not true is what it is. Yeah. The truth is somehow even wackier. Oh, God. Again, the investigators were like, there's no evidence of anybody other than Bailey, you, and Sydney being in this situation. Yeah. And you keep saying that it was filmed, but there's no footage. Yeah. So perhaps the most damning piece of evidence was um, some surveillance footage from a Home Depot that showed Aubrey and Bailey just hours before the date, in quotes, because it wasn't a date, purchasing a hacksaw, tin snips, a utility knife, and drop cloths, like plastic drop cloth. In fact... What... Security footage can be seen of them coming in on the 13th from wherever they were to Lincoln, getting a hotel room and purchasing supplies for the crime prior to all of this happening. And then, before they actually killed Sydney, they can be seen on security footage at the Menards where
1: Sydney works, stalking her. So, this is really like I'm thinking maybe. It's just something went wrong and they killed her or did something and didn't want her to turn them in because they already obviously have warrants out for their arrest. But really, this was totally planned. Mm -hmm. Why? I'm going to make you wait. What do they get out of this? I'm going to make you wait. Oh, God. Okay. Okay.
0: Other surveillance captures um, Bailey and Aubrey purchasing a tree saw, 30-gallon trash bags, and gallons of Clorox bleach at the Dollar General store a few hours before the second date and from a grocery store as well. Staff from both stores testified during the trial. They confirmed that the barcodes purchased that day were the same as the items found with her remains. Uh, they had a receipt, so they could prove all of this at trial, that it was exactly the same stuff. Yeah. Each, Bailey and Aubrey were charged with first degree murder, conspiracy to commit murder, and improper disposal of human remains. Aubrey pled guilty to the improper disposal of human remains, but not guilty to the other two counts, and Bailey pled not guilty to all of the charges against her. While they were in jail awaiting their trials, authorities discovered that they were sending each other coded letters in order to make sure their stories were lining up.
1: Why do people think they're smart? I don't know.
0: Because these were not coded well. They were cracked really easily. And it was clearly all of these letters were Aubrey saying, like, make sure you tell them this, baby. Like, I'm going to say this and you have to fill in the gaps, baby. Like, baby. figure it out. Like, just stick to the story and it's going to be fine. I, and and basically, he tried to take all the blame and
1: keep Bailey out of jail. What a gentleman. I know. Can I just say, it's a very personal thing, but a dude calling me baby is a red flag. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, I'm sure that I know couples that that happens and, and they're good couples and whatever. But yeah. for me personally, that was always a red flag.
0: Yeah, I don't... Nicholas doesn't call me by my name. If he does, I get concerned. It's always some Oh, sort we of, have,
1: like, pet names for each yeah. other. It's just not baby. Oh, well, he does call yeah. me baby. Yeah. But, but he's also not 20-some years older than you. Oh, yeah. Oh, that yeah. That also... It that, just adds to the, you know... To the ick factor, yeah. for sure.
0: Yeah. So they were tried separately, beginning with Aubrey's trial. And he was tried first by a jury, and then his sentencing was done by a panel of three judges because it was a capital crime. I like that. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. You know how I feel about making juries do death penalty decisions. So they did it with a jury of uh, three judges. They um, also had a change in venue and they were tried in Lexington, not in Wilbur, because Wilbur is really tiny. And like, yeah,
1: there's no way you could get it. Or in Lincoln,
0: like even Lincoln is just like, it's too personal. It was just too much. So they they did change the venue to Lexington. On the stand, we get a full picture of what is happening here. Basically, the prosecution's case was based on forensic evidence that Bailey and Aubrey pounced on Sydney as soon as she entered their apartment, strangled her to death with an extension cord in the living room floor. They believe that she was dead within 24 minutes of arriving to the apartment. They thoroughly cleaned the apartment and um, everything was pre-planned. And then the next day, they dismembered Sydney and dumped her remains in Clay County on November 16th. That is the prosecution story.
1: Okay, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. In the apartment, here's some of
0: the evidence that they laid out. So in the apartment, one room in particular had been meticulously cleaned. One of the the, the walls being completely scrubbed with bleach. You know, there was nothing there. Yeah. While the rest of the apartment was pretty dirty and gross. They also found some items that kind of rang some, raised some red flags, you know. They found a dog leash. They didn't have a dog. They found duct tape, a sauna suit that had the crotch cut out, the zip ties, a hatchet, drop cloth that had blood on it, and a book on anatomy.
1: I was still hung up on the sauna suit with the crotch (laughs) taken out of it. Yeah. What? I don't really know what to say about that other than just, like, why.
0: What? Yep. Oh, Lord. I can't. Well...
1: I, I you better
0: start finding the can, because
1: here we go. I can't. The white girl is coming out in me. I can't even. I just, even. Can't, I can't, I just even. can't even. Okay. All right. All right. Well, go then ahead. the prosecution
0: brings up several women to testify who had been involved with Bailey and Aubrey. Bailey would meet these girls on Tinder under an alias, whether it be Audrey, which was a play on Aubrey's name or Kaylee, or I think there was a Kylie, or there were a couple other names that she would use. She would earn their trust, she would date them, and then she would introduce them to Aubrey. I can't say this out loud. Aubrey was the sugar daddy vampire who was the leader of their sex cult. Oh, sweet Jesus. And the young girl's followers were his witches. Sweet baby Jesus. I, I can't. think you mean sweet baby sugar daddy vampire.
1: No. No. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Just just no. Okay. Okay. So the
0: rules to be part of this little cult was that they had to check in with Aubrey every three hours. They were forbidden to talk to other men. They had to participate in whatever group sex was required of them. They had to call him daddy and call Bailey mommy. He would give them $200 a week as an allowance, and they were expected to help Aubrey and Bailey carry out their antique scams. The reason they did this was they wanted to become full witches because Aubrey had powers. He was able to fly and read minds, and Bailey was a healer. And for them to get powers, they had to listen to what Aubrey had to say and they had to, according to him, take someone's last breath, and then they could get powers just like he and Bailey had. <laughs> you can't see Alicia's face, but she's very upset. She's processing with her hands. Just just
1: our education system is failing in this country. <laughs> it's failing. I, I don't even know what to say. I'm so disturbed by this. This is- Yeah.
0: Also, I never oh heard God. why he thought he was a vampire, because I never heard him, like, sucking anybody's blood. I
1: don't know. Maybe he did, and I just don't want to know. I I don't- hmm I got nothing. Yeah. I mean, seriously. I, I don't want to victim shame at all, but it's so unfathomable to me what state of mind- Yeah, I mean, these young women must be in to fall for such a crock of shit.
0: Yeah, it's totally they're finding people who are vulnerable and gaining their trust and then
1: like completely manipulating them. Just maddening. Like, I I don't want it to be misconstrued. Like, I'm victim, like, I'm saying, oh, they're so stupid. I think that that's it. They're finding people that are vulnerable, and that Mm -hmm. is just maddening to me. Mm -hmm. Ugh. Okay,
0: So Aubrey then started telling them that not only did they have to kill somebody, they had to um, torture this person. And he was making suggestions like um, apparently they would go into the woods and astral project. And then they had this girl who would watch their bodies so that they could return to their bodies after they were astral projecting. And he suggested that maybe that would be the person that they kill would be that girl. And then he basically said, "Well, you know what? If we're going to kill somebody, we may as well film it and sell it for a million dollars, just like make a snuff film."
1: I know there's like the dark web and all. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, because so- of course, my natural reaction is, "Who the fuck is going to buy that?" <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure someone would. There are horrible people in this world. Yes. The women
0: said that they left, the women testifying, said that they left this relationship in November of 2017 before Sydney was involved. Okay. They all testified that Aubrey had spoken frequently about killing and dismembering somebody, but that none of them had seen them try to kill anybody or make any effort to really go through with the plan. Okay. Okay. At one point after they had killed Sydney, one of the girls was called by Bailey and she was like convincing her to come join them on the run and go to a casino with them. But then when the girl found out that they were being chased by the police, she kind of was like, I'm out on that one, friend. Yeah. Mm hmm. Why? <laughs>
1: that's like.
0: Right. It's just like.
1: It's like my last case of dude calling his brother. Yeah. And saying I need ten thousand dollars to hire a hitman to kill this woman. No. No. <laughs> and now I'm gonna tattle. Like <laughs> why would I do that? Yeah. Oh my god. So okay. it it kind of
0: like again, there's no evidence that anybody else was involved. I really don't believe that there was anybody else involved. I think it was just these two. Yeah. And again, the forensic evidence says that there was no like torture involved. It was just- not any Torture pre mortem, like before she died, yeah. That we know of,
1: disturbing um, on so yeah, many Yeah, they
0: found some sex toys afterwards that were a little bit concerning, and they had heard that at some point Bailey had talked about wanting to kill somebody by pouring acid into them, like it's giving Dahmer. But yeah. there, there was no evidence of any of that making it into reality. Luckily. So at this point, Aubrey's trial takes like a concerningly sharp turn the other direction. And while one of the witnesses was about to take the stand, like the judge is literally saying like, please be seated. Aubrey stands up and yells, Sydney is innocent and I curse you all. And slit his throat with an improvised blade in the courtroom. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> what? it's on video you want to see it I can show no, you oh I don't want to see it well they don't see anything oh
1: oh my god you can just god. hear him acting a fool
0: hold on let me find it
1: oh my god okay so when you said that you said Sydney is innocent and I was like oh. why the hell would he's I'm so cuckoo. sorry Bailey is yeah innocent. Bailey is innocent well. he screams
0: Bailey is innocent and I curse you all yeah so he was taken out by ambulance he survives his suicide attempt and after a couple of weeks, he uh, his trial is resumed. He had yet another surprise up his sleeve. Oh, he recants his entire statement, calling them all bullshit. He said, "There's no video. There's no sexual fantasy. There's no two other people in the room. I use people for money. I use people for sex. Killing someone was counterproductive." He maintains that Bailey had nothing to do with Sydney's death. Just the just the back end of the process. Which we know was not true because she was in the store with you buying all of the stuff. So,
1: I suppose if you have to give the man credit for anything, the fact that he's trying to save Bailey, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess. But like, <laughs> you got her into the mess in yeah. the first place. So, it's, like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. But it's, it's, just... yeah. His trial lasts for three
0: weeks. During that time, Aubrey suffered his suicide attempt two heart attacks, and a stroke in three weeks. Why will the man not die? I don't know. Um, but in the end, the jury convicted him of everything, and the judges sentenced him to death. Good luck. He
1: apparently, <laughs> apparently he won't die. Maybe he really is a vampire. Maybe.
0: <laughs> Holy crap. So he tried to appeal the <laughs> sentence, but um, when he appealed, he tried to represent himself, and they were oh, like, Oh, no. I love that. They were like, no. I can't tell you why they said no because I can't find any of the documents. Yeah. But they said no. Or his appeal was denied. It didn't go anywhere because like you did it. Bailey's trial was much less dramatic. She wasn't tried until October of 2020, which um, she was convicted by a jury of murder in the first degree, conspiracy to commit murder, and improper disposal of human remains. The same thing that he was convicted of. She was sentenced to life in prison after begging the judge on behalf of her daughter not to sentence her to death. They found that her actions did not um, meet the, quote, standard of exceptional depravity that would be needed for capital punishment. Okay. They were also both sentenced for defrauding. They were sentenced for another fraud charge for the coins. Yeah. Bailey is now an inmate at Nebraska Correctional Center for Women. And... um. Aubrey is on death row at a state correctional institute.
1: Well, that is awful.
0: Yep. There are lots of resources in Sydney's name for sex trafficking and in order, you know, lots of resources to end sex trafficking because the reality is that's what this would have become, I believe.
1: Well, that's what it sounds like. That's what they were doing. Yeah. I mean, basically. Other people that just managed to get mm-hmm. out and they didn't try and kill them and
0: for a long time not a long time because everything happened so fast but they really did think that that was probably what happened to sydney so that's that's i that's hate that it on that i hate it i hate it too but i am very glad that the right people were found
1: and that yeah. she is
0: not the statistic of a woman who goes missing and there's no justice served
1: i am Yes, that is true. I'm very glad. I'm sorry that they weren't found sooner and put in jail, so mm-hmm. this could have been prevented, but very glad that there weren't mm-hmm. more victims. I agree. Because it sounds like a I situation- I mean, there, that- there were more victims, Well, no, I mean- More victims of death. Of death, of being murdered, yes. Yes. Because it sounds like it would have turned into like a serial murder situation.
0: Yeah, these two were definitely- um, not good for each other for sure yeah but vampire daddy is on death row thank you very much heather for making me endure this <laughs> i hope you enjoyed yeah i like case suggestions i do too it's fun because then i feel like we're really connected with what you guys want so yeah. we appreciate it absolutely if you made it all the way to this point in the episode leave us a bat emoji Because vampire. Because vampires. And you'll be eligible for our Sunday shout outs. Yeah, this one. It's, I got nothing it's, else. Yeah. I mean, really, what else is there to say?
1: I oh. mean, this is one where it's so easy. Like, there's so many jokes you could make about that man, but I don't know.
0: Yeah, so um, pictures will be up on our socials. All of the information about Sydney's um, legacy will be in our link tree. If you want to donate, there's definitely going to be some sort of fund um, Good. for anti-sex trafficking linked. And, yeah, that that's today's case. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hate it here. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I love it. I don't love this case, though. I do hate that. <laughs> I do hate the case, but I love you guys. Yes. We love our listeners. Yeah. Well, thank you. Continue to make recommendations. Yes. I do feel bad. Don't think that you shouldn't have recommended the case just because I say I hate it. It's
0: oh, just, yeah. I mean, it's a true crime podcast. We it don't is like what any it of the, th- you know what I'm saying? Yeah.
1: It's that tricky. You know what? I, I think if you're a true crime lover, you know what we mean. I hope you know what we mean. Because if you love true crime to the point that like none of this disturbs you, then seek counseling.
0: Yeah. But I mean, it, it is. It is concerning, but fascinating. Yes. Especially with the whole... Oh, oh, and I forgot to mention that Bailey was not just mommy. Bailey was like the Queen Supreme witch.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that I kind of got that vibe, but yeah. Yeah,
0: so they had to call her like Queen Supreme. (laughs) Queen Supreme? (laughs) Which like, if you've ever watched American Horror Story Coven... It's just like an—it's just an embarrassment. If you've actually watched Coven and you're like, "No, you're never gonna be the Supreme," it—it just—I just how 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 I don't know, I don't know how we got here.
1: I feel like this is what happens when people take themselves too seriously. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> also, if somebody says that they can fly and you can't physically see them fly. Don't believe them. And if
1: you can see them fly, go to a doctor. Yeah. Fair. Our education system is failing. <laughs> well, I stand by that. I think I support teachers. I support teachers. A thousand percent. Not their fault. It's not their fault. No. Okay. So <laughs> I got to be done now. I can't so do this. So thank you all for listening. And we'll see you next week. Till next time. <laughs> Bye.
0: I'm I'm due for a case that's not murder, hopefully. Next week. Yeah, next next time go. I do a, a nice case, fraud case. I would love something that's not murder. I'm gonna do something not murder next.
1: All right. All right. See you next time for not murder. <laughs> bye. Until next time. Bye. Thanks
0: for listening, guys. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at Burden of Proof Pod and email us at burdenofproofpod at gmail.com.